welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, River Valley. Great to be with you this weekend when Pastor Rob assigned me the topic, parenting, raising godly kids, I immediately went back to my childhood. So I want you to think about your favorite childhood toy. What did you love playing with more than anything? And for me, it's this right here, Evil Knievel. And I had more than one uh, because we would wear this thing out, but we didn't just play with Evil Knievel, we were. Evil Knievel, and you can see, I'm not a geometry expert, but I can tell you from the angles, the kid on the end here doesn't make it out of this thing alive. (laughs) But I was thinking about this the other day, driving around neighborhoods. When's the last time you saw a ramp in a neighborhood? You know, that's the problem with America today. We need more ramps. We need more kids jumping bikes. I can remember jumping bikes with my friends, and I, I still have a scar on my left knee from when uh, I came in, and I don't wanna get too graphic, but it was, it was gonna require, not surgery, but many stitches. But I had one of those dads uh, who's, who would try to see if he could stop the bleeding before taking you to the ER. And he would spend hours just waiting. And I'd be like, Dad, it's gonna need stitches. And he's like, just drink this Pepto-Bismol and sit there. And, and then he would be frustrated when he had to take me to the hospital. And the only thing that would keep us from jumping our bikes is when this pulled into the neighborhood. And you all know the, I'm telling you, the ice cream truck. My dad used to tell us that the bell on the ice cream truck meant they were out of ice cream. But we knew better. And I think this also is a problem with our country today. Uh, we used to eat sherbet out of toilet paper rolls. And... <laughs> I think that's a problem with the kids nowadays. They haven't had ice cream out of toilet paper rolls. Look how nasty that is. And uh, we could not get enough of it. We didn't have iPads. Uh, We spent hours a day talking into the back of our box fans. And we could entertain ourselves for hours with wow, 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 wow. And we loved it. And now, when I think about all the time I spent talking into the back of a fan, it's amazing how we ever made anything out of our lives. But uh, I, I now am an empty nester since the last time I've been at River Valley. Uh, I, uh, my daughter got married last year, my son. We dropped him off at college. Uh, and I still use these old pictures of my kids. This is my daughter, Corinne, when she was 15. And uh, she was my outdoor girl, pioneer woman. She loved everything. Uh, knitting, sewing, crocheting. She loved raising the animals to harvest the fur and to spin the yarn herself. And this was a little fawn she would love to go spend time with in the neighborhood, which raising a fawn in Missouri is highly illegal, so it wasn't us, it was a neighbor that did it. Um, And then this is a picture of my son. He loves uh, deer too. I've shown you this picture before, but uh, I'm in about 60, 70 churches a year and uh, about uh, a couple times a year, two, three times a year, a pastor will tell me, I cannot show that picture at his church. And uh, I asked your pastor, he said, absolutely no problem. It's half the profile pictures of our congregation. So go ahead. <laughs> but that is my son. And he's now uh, 18 and at college. And I'm pretty passionate about marriage and parenting. And I see them working together. And as an empty nester, uh, this is the first time I've been able to speak on parenting as an empty nester. And I think about what theologian Kenny Chesney once said. 
when he said, don't blink. Because just like that, you're six years old and you take a nap, you wake up and you're 25 and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife. Don't blink. Because you might miss your babies growing like mine did, turning into moms and dads. The next thing you know, your better half of 50 years is there in bed and you're praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friends, 100 years goes faster than you think. And something that I think about often and I'm living out in my life right now, the days go slow, but the years go fast. And uh, it is a blink. It goes fast. And I want to make the most of the time, as I did when my kids were in our home. And I now realize I have a new role to play. And I want to hopefully cover that uh, over the course of the next few moments. Because here's what we know about parenting. Parenting is for a season. Being a parent is for a lifetime. I just entered into a new relationship with my son and daughter that looks completely different than the first 18 years of their life upon this earth. And I'm still their dad, but I just moved into a different role. And it starts now. If you have small children at home, uh, you gotta think this through. If your kids are leaving home, you gotta think this through. If your kids have been gone for 10, 20, 30 years, you have to think this through. And I wanna start today in Deuteronomy chapter six, four through seven. This uh, passage has been printed out and on the wall in our home uh, it has become a passage for our family, not just to read, memorize, and meditate on, but to live our lives around. And we hear in verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There are four truths in verse four, and I want my kids to get these four truths. There is a God, there is only one God, he is the Lord, and he is our Lord. And from the time our kids were very small, I wanted them to get, there is a God, there's only one God, he's the Lord, and he is our Lord. Verse five adds a fifth to that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So I wanted them to get the truth about who God is, but I want them to love God. So how does this happen? Verses six and seven spell it out clearly for us. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. In other words, mom and dad, it starts with us. We can never expect our kids to have something on their hearts that's not on ours. Uh, I've, I'm going to be 50 years old in January, and I just, I just love using this illustration, not, not because I'm a pastor, but because of it, it just makes the most sense to me of what I picked up from my parents. I'm, I'm a tither at 50 years old. I've tithed my entire life to the church. 10% is the start, and then give to missions beyond that. And, and why, why am I? I always tell people, why am I a tither? And like, well, the Bible. Yeah, 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 but back it up one notch. It's because of Ron Cunningham. It's because of a dad who, when I was very small and would make my first $10 mowing a lawn and bring it in to him, he would take me downstairs and had envelopes. So Dave Ramsey did not come up with envelopes. That was Ron Cunningham. And there was a tithe envelope, a missions envelope, a savings envelope, and a spending envelope. We didn't even need the spending envelope because there was never anything left because he wanted it all to go in these three. And we would do that over and over and over and over again because that's how kids learn. And from the time I was very small, I would do that. I don't use envelopes anymore, but it's still in my heart. Why is it in my heart? Because it was in my dad's heart. And that's verse six. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse seven, impress them on your children. How do you impress a love for the Lord on your children? It's as simple and plain as day coming out of this text. Talk about them when you sit at home 
when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Let your conversation all day long be about there is a God, there's only one God, he is the Lord, he is our Lord, and we will love the Lord. This is what we're learning, and this, I've, this is why I tithe at 50, and I can give you dozens of other illustrations of why I do what I do at 50 because of what I saw my parents do. Our children see, hear, remember, and repeat. They see everything we do, they hear everything we say, they forget nothing, and then they repeat. You, you drive, you pick up the way you drive from your parents, the way you vote from your parents. We call this in counseling family of origin. You pick this up uh, from them because you were watching and you were listening. And this is why as parents, when I think about teaching my kids, I wanna write a devotional one day for the family called When All Hell Breaks Loose. Because every time I open my Bible in the house, everything went crazy. Dog starts barking, the phone's ringing, somebody's at the door. It's like, okay, every time, I know, and I would get frustrated trying to do devotionals, and there's, it's not a real good posture in your home after dinner. Sit down! We're gonna study, we're gonna read, we are gonna show our love to the Lord. I was just, and Amy would remind me all the time, Ted, they're getting it. You understand they're getting it. Carson's doing laps around the dining room table. I don't think he's getting it. Oh, he's getting it. He's getting it, why? Because they have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours with you a year. And your parents wrote thousands and thousands and thousands of messages on your heart. I've got all sorts of messages about birthdays, about how we celebrate Christmas, about how we drive, how we vote, how we load the dishwasher, all of it. Messages written on the heart because I was watching listening, remembering, and repeating. This isn't a marriage talk. I'm gonna throw this in as a bonus, okay? You married someone who came from a different family of origin, who saw and listened to a completely different group. And now, why, that's what makes marriage fun, right? Now we're bringing all those messages together and trying to figure out how to become one. Our children see, hear, remember, and repeat. And I want mom and dad to know this. You are the primary author of your child's heart. And I hear parents today, I hear it all the time at our church, like just so concerned about the culture, so concerned about the school, so concerned about everything that's bombarding their kids. And I just remind them every time, you are the primary author of your child's heart. You are the primary discipler. You should be more concerned with what you're talking about and what you're doing around the house every day, all day, than what's being brought at them from the world. Right, you are the you are writing messages. So what I want to do is spend a couple of minutes looking at some of the tendencies we have as parents, some of the motives that we get stuck in, and I can tell you of the motives I'm going to share with you. I've struggled with all of them. I've dealt with all of them. Still deal with some of them, but they're tendencies. They're motives that we have as parents that get in the way of the main thing being the main thing that we just read in Deuteronomy chapter six. And we can get focused on these and neglect that, or we can get focused on these and forget how important the priority is of teaching our kids about the Lord. Number one, we tend to use our children's attributes and accomplishments to impress other people. The Hebrew term for that is Facebook. <laughs> we are constantly sharing the highlight reels of our children to impress other people. 
We live in frustration because we're comparing the weaknesses of our children to the strengths of other children. We're comparing the strengths of our children to the weaknesses of other children. And we get caught in this trap of, of thinking, if I have a successful child, then the world will see that I am a successful parent. We have fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says whatever you pour into a child is what you will get out of a child. And the Hebrew for that is, ah, not true. It's not true. But we, we, we are always putting best foot forward, sharing the highlight reels from our family, using our child's attributes and accomplishments to impress other people. We call that vanity parenting. We also, number two, we take too much credit and too much blame for the way our children turn out. We take too much credit and too much blame. I'm gonna talk about that at the very end a little bit more. Number three, we create environments for our children to succeed rather than teaching them to succeed in environments they cannot control. We send them to the schools we want, we pick the neighborhoods, we pick their activities, we start their professional sports career when they're around five, six years old. We're constantly controlling the environment. And I, I hear this all the time. Like, student goes into third grade and the teacher is rough. And mom and dad's first response is, I've got to get the kid out of that class. A lot of us weren't raised with that type of parent. Just get them out of a bad environment. Now, again, I'm not talking about a toxic environment or an abusive environment. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just someone my child feels uh, doesn't care for them. What is better for that child in the long run? Pulling them out of that class and finding a new class for them so that they can be liked more, or mom and dad might be challenging, but for you to spend the year walking side by side with your child through that difficult season. Showing them, here's what you say when the teacher says this. Here's what you do when a, a student says or does this. Let's debrief the day and talk about how do we as followers of Jesus in this home walk through difficult season stages and work with difficult people. We can't control every environment. I used to love taking my kids when they were small to the Chick-fil-A playground. Chick-fil-A, the Lord's Chicken. And I can remember the number of times, we all the parents would sit outside. It was like a big aquarium for your kids, right? You put the kids in there, everything behind glass. And anytime there was like a little, um, you know, fight would break out among the kids. I'm not talking, you know, they're not throwing punches, but they're like, they didn't know what to do because they're pretty small. Like, how do I respond when someone pushes me down? Or how do I respond when someone comes down the slide and takes me out? And, and I can remember one time our son was getting knocked down by this kid for 30 minutes in the playground. And I'm just sitting there watching and Carson's not doing anything. And finally, Carson and this other kid square off. They just stand there. They're like, I know we're supposed to do something. I don't know exactly what. And I can remember all the parents jumped up. Like you could tell the parents like, we gotta get in there and rescue them. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're not gonna hurt each other, but I can promise you this, they'll figure it out. You understand you and I, we learned our life negotiation skills on the playground. It, not in an organized sport. I'm not, I have no problem with organized sports, but we, we would be in the sandbox figuring out what to do with our toys. We learned how to share. We learned how to negotiate. We worked through that without an adult coming in and navigating all of those waters for us. We have to help our kids succeed in environments they cannot control. Why? Because when they leave our homes, they're gonna have bosses that we cannot control. 
They're gonna have work environments they, that we cannot control. They're gonna have their own marriage and their own family with their own set of challenges that I, as a father-in-law, wanna have boundaries with and I can't control, but I wanna prepare them for those environments. Ooh, and then you know this one, this is a big one. Uh, we give our children too much privilege and not enough responsibility. A fourth tendency. We call this prolonged adolescence. I see it all the time in the marriage counseling office. I know Mark and Pam here at River Valley see it as well. Uh, just the, the idea that, you know, I'm working with a couple in their late 20s and, and I have to be the one, the first one in their lives that invite them into adulthood. To say, listen, th this is, and I, I, sometimes it's with budgeting, right? I have to tell them, hey, I know you like shoes, but you don't get to buy a new pair every month. You can't afford it anymore. You have a family now. And I know you would get everything you want handed to you, but now you're in a season where you have to take responsibility for yourself and other people. But when you just give kids too much privilege, too much privilege, too much privilege, they're not prepared for the responsibility when they step outside the home. And that ties with this fifth tendency. We accelerate childhood milestones and delay adulthood milestones. So childhood milestones, that's like zero to 10 years old. We're telling our kids, go, 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 run, 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 faster, faster, faster. As you had commercials, I don't know if you remember, my baby can read. Uh, you've seen parents go back and forth with how soon can we get this child potty trained? Like there's just this overwhelming sense of pressure to get the kids to go, 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 go. Zero to 10, that's what we're telling them. Go, 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 go. Then 10, 11, 12 years old kicks in. Engines in them placed there by almighty God kick in called individualization and separation. They start pushing back from mom and dad. A lot of times we immediately label that rebellion. And yes, I'm called to honor my father and mother, but the desire to pick my own friends and pick my own clothes and make my own decisions like that's part of becoming an adult. But as soon as we parents feel that, we feel that for just a moment, right? That's it. at 10, 11, 12, we start pulling back on the reins saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We spent 10 years telling them to go and then immediately switch, accelerating those childhood milestones. And then we start delaying the adulthood milestones saying, slow down. You don't need a full-time job. You're only 27 and a half. We need to bring this thing down a notch. We need, to, we need to give that responsibility and to let young people know you don't have to do one milestone at a time. The traditional relationship formation milestones of adulthood uh, are, are simply leave home, finish school or a trade school or an apprenticeship, get a job, get married, start a family. Those are the traditional relationship formation adulthood milestones. Your grandparents completed those five milestones in a very short period of time, if not in the same week. Like, it was fast. But what we've done is we've stretched them out on this track called prolonged adolescence. And we've said, slow down. You should only do one at a time. But I'm looking at a room full of people that are doing multiple milestones at the exact same time. And this we need to start early with. So we don't need to freak out when kids start making their own decisions. Again, we're walking alongside them. Remember, all of this is in the context of what are you talking about from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep, sitting in your home and driving down the road? What's the priority? What's the most important thing? And I want my kids to leave home with the responsibility of work and relationships. My friend Jim Burns wrote a book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. 
It's a perfect book for my season of life with an 18 and a 20-year-old. Uh, the subtitle of the book is worth the price of the book, because here's the subtitle. If you want a great relationship with your adult children, here it is. Keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. And I told Jim, I can keep my mouth shut. My mouth's not the problem. It's my face. <laughs> my face screams. That's not how I would do it. My face screams, what were you thinking? Well, where'd you come up with that? So we, we accelerate these childhood milestones, and then when our kids start taking the steps, even into their early 20s, we're like, whoa, 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 slow down. And you know what this has done, and this is the last one. We treat our children like children right up until the very day we expect them to be an adult. It's a terrible parenting strategy. <laughs> and, and many of you that went to college, you know what I'm talking about. You showed up your freshman year, and there was somebody on your floor that went berserk. Why? Because they were controlled, 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 dropped off at college, given all this freedom, no responsibility in order and what to do with it, and they, they didn't have a clue what to do. That is why a better path forward for us as parents in raising godly kids is understanding this. Parenting is a journey from control to influence. And it's, and it's not control one day, influence the next. It is a full-on transition. Like, I, I refuse to ask my 16-year-old son, did you brush your teeth today? I'm not gonna ask him. You're like, well, if I pay the dental bills, I'm asking him. No, no, no. I, I want him, I did that when he was three and four. I would check in on him because I had more control. And mom and dad, by the way, if you have three, four, five, six-year-old children, this is the most control you'll ever have. Okay? With every year of your child's life, you're losing control. But I hope you're replacing it with influence. Because as a dad now of adult children, I know this. If I want to be a dad of influence, because guess what my home is still all about? There is a God. There's only one God. He's the Lord. He's our Lord. And we will love the Lord. I still talk about him all day long from the time we get up to the time we go to sleep at night. I picked my son up from the airport last night for fall break. And... Uh, he came home, we have two dogs, and he jumped in our bed and was playing with the dogs, and we were all exhausted, but we wanted to be together. And uh, as we're all like dozing off, uh, to hear my 18-year-old son say, hey, Dad, let's pray. I'm like, yes, yes, okay, yes, because that's what we did. I mean, he, he has 18 years of that in his, in his life. And we were tired, I'll have to admit, it was a short prayer because I was, I was dozing, but but to let that be the rhythm of our home. And here's what I know, I still want that influence in the life of my adult children. And I know this, if I wanna, here's the fastest way to squander influence, take control. Go back to being a controlling parent. The best way is control to influence. So we give this jar of marbles out to our parents when we do child dedication. We used to call it baby dedication, it's child dedication now because we have a lot of families that uh, come to know the Lord uh, later in life, and so we dedicate, you know, six- and seven-year-old children at times. But what I love about this, this, this ties in everything we've talked about up to this point. Uh, the days go slow, but the years go fast. That's why there's marbles in there. Every marble represents a week of your child's life, uh, up to age 18. So this jar has 930 marbles left, 930 weeks left in Miles' life. And we just ask parents, take out a marble each week and be intentional with it. Like, ask yourselves, what are we going to do this week to make the most of time? To make the most of time. But what I love, we added a few years ago. Uh, on the top of the jar, it says control. On the bottom, it says influence. Now, 
This is the bad dad joke of the day, and you're going to appreciate it, and you're going to laugh when I deliver it, okay? You're going to fake it, all right, even if you don't think it's funny. We tell parents, as you lose your marbles, <laughs> okay, uh, you're moving from control to influence. And I want you to see, this is, this is a progression. This isn't something, you don't move from control to influence on the day you drop them off at college, or the day you drop them off at their first apartment. You need to understand the importance of the influence because some of you right now are in a season of control. You tell your kids what to eat, what to wear, when to brush their teeth, when to go to bed, when to get up. You're in complete charge and control of their life. However, as it moves on, you're gonna be having questions asked by your kids. And, and the more decision-making you can give them as they grow up in your home, the better. Let them make decisions. I loved it when our kids were 15, 16, they'd call home and go, so-and-so wants me to do this. Dad, is it okay? I'm like, why are you calling and asking? You need to make that decision. There were times my son, he's more of the snarky one in our family. I would put the decision back on him and he'd be like, don't put this back on me. Uh-uh, nope, I want you to decide so I can tell my friends. Uh, and we did tell our kids, if you're ever in a situation that you're trying to get out of and it's awkward, you can throw me under the bus every time. If you need to use me to get out of a situation that's uncomfortable, say my dad's coming to get me, I'm great with that. But I, I just, I, it's interesting as I shared even today, uh, I've been teaching this for years and uh, I taught it more from the position of control and now I'm teaching it more from the position of influence. Love being a dad. I know I'm still a dad, but I'm, I'm just, not, I'm gonna have to just start, I don't know, getting bossy with other people more uh, now that I've, I've lost that. That's something we don't talk a lot about in empty nesting. Uh, but just that, that numbness that is kind of set in. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. You know what's interesting? If, if you think about the control to influence, and, and that's a progression, and if you think about uh, parenting is for a season, being a parent is for a lifetime, this one always throws Christian parents a little bit, but obedience is for a season. Right, obedience is for a season. And I have parents that push back on me a lot with this, saying, uh-uh, my kid's 30, they need to obey me. No, 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 they're called to honor you for life. So obedience is for a season, honor is for life. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what I wanna do is give a very practical way for you to leave this message with handles and to say, okay, I can do something with this. Where do I start with Deuteronomy 6, four through seven? Where do I start with there is a God, there's only one God, he is the Lord, he's our Lord, and we will love the Lord. Where do I start with that? My mentor, Dr. Gary Smalley, gave us this years ago, and I'm so grateful for it, and what it did for our family Again, something to print out and put on the wall, but it's called the Family Constitution. I'm gonna share it with you in two slides, so you feel free to take a picture of the screen. Steal ours, make it yours, edit it to be your own. We had fewer when our kids were small, but we added to it as a family as our kids would grow. But this is what we believe. I always love when you know, Dave Ramsey would ask his kids, uh, where do we go when we want money? And he'd expect his kids to you know, give an answer, and the kids would go, what? go to work because you know a lot of kids would go we go to you uh, but he also says what do we believe in this family 
And that's what I love about the family constitution. As a dad, when our kids were growing up, I could look at them and go, hey, what do the Cunninghams believe about this? And it would usually be something off of the family constitution. The first five. Number one, we will love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This one, each member of the family had to make the decision on their own. We didn't make this decision as a family. I wanted each of my kids to own their faith from an early age, and all of my family has. They're kind of precious flying here today. I had my notes out, and I was looking over them on the plane, and my daughter, Corinne, who's with me, married now, uh, she saw the title, Raising Godly Kids, and she goes, huh, you did. Uh, I was like, oh, and humble, and humble godly children. Number two, we will read and memorize scripture together. This was a big deal in our home. We memorized chunks of scripture so that as we would drive down the road, you know, I obviously, while I'm driving, I'm not pulling out a Bible or getting on the Bible app, but the, the passages we had memorized, we were able to share with one another. It was my daughter when she was young that said, hey, let's, let's tackle Philippians. And we just started diving into Philippians. So it wasn't just reading the Bible together in devotional time. It wasn't just studying but it was memorizing together for the purpose of meditating. Number three, we will pray together every day. And if I can just encourage parents, when we say pray together every day, we're talking outside of mealtime. If you don't pray at mealtime, start there. That's a great place to start. If you pray at mealtime, I'm encouraging your prayer life to move beyond, dear Jesus, thank you for this food in your name, amen. So for us, we had a couple things in our home. Our kids never left our presence without us praying over them. If they got out of the car, Samuel Rodriguez, one of my favorite preachers in the country, he would lay his hand, his dad would lay his hands on him. And the first time I heard this, our kids were small and I said, I'm doing that. And I would end our prayers with our kids, uh, cover them in the blood of Jesus, protect them from evil, fulfill your purpose in their lives and send them out. And even to this day, and, and dropping Carson off at college and once now coming back, it's like, I'm telling you, even as they leave your home and you have these prayers with them when they return, it's even sweeter because it's a priority in our home. So we prayed together. And what we did at night was very important for us. We would pray uh, youngest to oldest, each member of the family. And I'm, don't be legalistic. I'm not telling you to be legalistic about this. There are times you get home and it's late and you're tired and dad needs to pray over the family and send everyone to bed. I get that. But if you can turn everything off before bedtime and all of you sit down or go meet in one bedroom and everybody pray together, I still have snippets of prayers my kids have prayed all throughout their life. They, they go with me to this day. Number four, we will speak words of high honor over each other every day. This is a big one for us. Uh, the world throws plenty at us. When you step into our home, this is gonna be a place where we esteem each other as highly valuable. We're gonna speak words of honor over one another. Number five, we will offer grace for mistakes and avoid repeating the same mistake over and over. What does Proverbs say? As a dog returns to its vomit. My kids loved that verse early on. We memorized it early. So a fool repeats its folly. And I would ask our kids, do the Cunninghams give each other grace? Absolutely. What do we try to avoid at all costs? Making the same mistake over and over again. Yeah, because that's the fool. The fool never learns from, from his mistake. So we offer that. Number six, I've shared this a little bit already, but we will work hard, give generously, save wisely, and spend sensibly. I do not attribute that to Dave Ramsey. I attribute that to Ron Cunningham, and it was in that order. Work, give, save, spend. And oh, we would repeat that, I don't know how many times with our kids, and, and they got it. Number seven, we will love, support, and serve our church. 
I, I always love parents that come to me and like, what can I do to make sure my kids stay connected to the church? You be connected to the church. If you want your kids to be on mission with the church, why are you not on mission with the church? If you just casually attended church, your kids are probably, because they watched and they listened, they'll probably become casual attenders and they won't be on mission, right? So you, mom and dad, let this be on your heart, passionate about Jesus and his bride. And then you know this is a big one for me. Number eight, we will laugh together every day. I make this a priority in our home, making our kids laugh, making my wife laugh. And when there's no laughter, because laughter is an expression of joy, I have to look around and go, what's going on? Something's off. And again, I know there can be difficult seasons and challenging stages of life to work through, but laughter is a big one. Number nine, we will take 100% personal responsibility for our emotions, words, and actions. Something we've taught our kids from an early age, you may be 0% to blame for what happened to you, but you are 100% responsible for your healing and your treatment of others. That's on you. And you choose what you're gonna do. And then the last one, number 10, we added sometime later, but we will live in the moment, not on technology. We made this a big deal in our home because you know something will happen in a family and you didn't capture it, like you didn't get a picture of it or didn't get it on video. And it's like, we become reenactors. Let's do it again and get it, but there are times something happens that we didn't capture it, and we look at each other, we don't, even, we don't even have to say anything anymore, we just look at each other with the, that's just for us. That's just gonna go, that's a memory that's worth repeating one day, but nobody needs to know what just happened. We're gonna enjoy that one as a family. When uh, our kids were small, Amy said, you know, we live in the Tri-Lakes area of the Ozarks, and we don't own a boat. And she was right, we didn't own a boat. We have three lakes in our area, we had no boat, and no lie, a couple weeks later, I'm driving down the road and uh, I drive by O'Reilly's Auto Parts and in the ditch is this old rickety canoe that somebody took a magic marker, didn't write it on a sign, they wrote it on the canoe, $100. Welcome to the Ozarks, $100. And my thought was, what my baby wants, my baby gets. <laughs> so I pulled over, I went and I paid for this canoe. There were three holes in the bottom of it. And I put it up on the minivan. I went into O'Reilly. I go, hey, that's a fiberglass canoe. Do you have something that I can use to patch these holes up? And I want it to dry in time because I'm gonna pick the kids up from school and I wanna do our maiden voyage. And uh, he said, yeah, so I patched them up. We don't live on the lake. We live near it, about three quarters of a mile through the woods. And so I tied a rope on this. I drug that thing down through the woods, tied it to a tree. I picked the kids up from school, brought them down. And I will never forget Carson walking up to this canoe, looking at it and going, oh, Daddy, thank you so much. And we took our maiden voyage. Here's our maiden voyage on this canoe, Carson and I. And while we were canoeing this day, an eagle flew by, and that's Isaiah 40, 31. And we had memorized that passage, and we always put two-word lessons on it. The two-word lesson, unlimited power. And so we would always talk about the unlimited power we have when we stay connected to the true and only source of life. And he's, he's on the back of this canoe. This eagle flies over Lake Taney Como, and he sees it like a mighty Morphin Power Ranger. He goes, unlimited power! <laughs> and I, I'm sitting there going, he is getting it. He is getting it. Listen, there's no perfect family. There's no perfect home. God's ideal for the family is perfect. And I know we don't live up to it, but we are prioritizing a love for the Lord in our home 
a love for the word, our time in prayer as a family. I can remember about two weeks after we got this boat, uh, a flood hit the Ozarks. And I still can't fully understand what happened, but uh, uh, Johnny Morris had this beautiful marina at the Bass Pro Shop, and it had 26-slip boat dock. And it, uh, the flood hit, and they didn't have it secure. Still can't figure this out. It broke away from the landing in Branson, floated 14 miles down Taney Como into a part of the lake. There's no homes. It's all rough. You can see how rough in this picture with Carson it is. And it floated up against our boat. And Carson walked down that night and said, Daddy, thank you so much. He thought I bought him a marina for our $100 canoe. And, I, and it was funny. They had all the snacks. All the fish were still swimming in it, uh, all the minnows and stuff. And I told him, you know, we're eventually going to have to pay for these snacks. We played on this thing for six weeks. And I look back on these memories as a parent. I, I just want to encourage you, mom and dad, as we close Make the most of the time that you have with your kids while they're home. When they leave, it doesn't mean your, your role ends. It changes. But you still, and I tell, I tell grandparents this in our church all the time. We've, we minister to a lot of senior adults in Branson, Missouri. And I remind them all the time. I believe grandparenting could possibly be your most influential season in life. Because not just your children, now your grandchildren are watching, listening, remembering, and repeating. And may they see and hear a love for the Lord flowing out of you. That is how you raise godly kids. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus and in the authority of that great name, uh, we pray. I know right now there are parents who are wanting to live uh, with regret. And they don't, they, 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 they just, they wallow in that. And I just, today in the prayer, I just ask that they delete the narrative that repeats, it's too late and it's my fault that they would delete that, they would not feed their regrets, and they asked Jesus to redeem their remaining days. For the child, adult child, child still at home that's, that's watching, that's tuning in, that's not honoring father and mother, that today you would do a work in their heart. May what would be true of all of us listening right now, that we would declare today with our mouths, there is a God, there's only one God, he is the Lord, he is our Lord, he is the Lord of this family, and we will love the Lord. We pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen.